Chapter 57 Hacked Off I came downstairs in the middle of the night for a bottle of water while he slept. Saw his phone, picked it up, and noticed a different email account icon. I didn't know he had this type of mail, which made me curious to see his screen name. I knew I shouldn't have touched his phone. It was like not being able to resist the heat of fire. I touched the icon, opening it, only to discover that the icon belonged to me. He had hacked my computer and put my email account on his phone to check up on my activity. When I think back to the feeling that washed over me, the dread, the disbelief of how I couldn't have seen this coming, I still feel queasy and shaky. What was even worse than discovering my account on his phone was a message I'd decided to read within his texts. At that point, I figured, hey, if he could do it to me, I could do it to him. So let's see what we've got here. Being in shock allows for strange behavior. The text was to his best friend and read, Got a reprieve from Dora. She's giving me more time to come up with more excuses. That was the proverbial straw. I could actually forgive the hacking because, truth be told, if I were him and considering leaving my wife, I'd want to know what the woman I'm leaving her for was up to as well. Remember, I've been told that I tend to think like a man, but that text was debilitating. I knew what I had at that moment, a man that lies, sneaks, and somehow had been justifying his actions and getting away with it via two women. I stood there in the dark, frozen, I'm sure much worse than any deer could feel looking into that set of headlights. I felt my heart break. I really did. And while it cracked, I did what I'd most recently learned to do best, compartmentalize. I went upstairs, climbed back in bed with him, and forced myself to enter the world of denial for the rest of the night. I was to go home and see my kids the next day, and he was to take me to the airport. I did my own justifying at that point, thinking, what good will it do me to wake him up, confront him, and not sleep the night before seeing my precious children? He must have asked me ten times that next morning, are you okay? Something feels wrong when I look at you. I continued to say, I'm fine. I'm just a little apprehensive about seeing my kids while hiding behind my horrible poker face. I waited until I got on the plane, and then I emailed him and told him everything I'd seen. I spent the next week with my kids, obviously not able to tell them anything, having to hold all inside because they didn't even know about him. I felt like I was taking part in spontaneous combustion, rock hard on the outside while falling apart on the inside where only I could be a witness. I'd given up the role of the everyday mom. I'd become a businesswoman in a corporate atmosphere, and I'd become a sugar baby at the craziest time of my life, and yet the part that I found to be the most astounding was that I'd let myself fall in love again with the wrong man. Bad choices follow me like instinct. I got back home and found that I couldn't be inside my own home without seeing him everywhere I turned. I convinced myself I couldn't live without him. I went from being this independent woman to almost feeling like I was groveling to have him back. And so I allowed this man to come back into my life. No matter how many times I talked to myself or my best friend tried to knock sense into me, 
It just went zip into one ear and zap out the other. What happened to my self-esteem? I think I left it in the back seat of that damn cab driver's car. Grief plays such havoc with one's soul. Again, I threw Sugar Daddy to the wind and stayed faithful to my cheating, lying lover. Maybe it takes one to know one. I thought many a time. It was the things I did with him that I just couldn't do with another man ever. For instance, I'd always wanted to dance for a man, strip, and do a lap dance. Who has dreams like that? Don't most girls dream of a white wedding? Not me. I dreamt of the forbidden instead, and he brought out the courage to be that bad girl from the moment I met him. I'd been so free, so willing, so uninhibited with him. That's the part I had so much trouble giving up. It was like honey, so thick and sticky that it kept me in place, sweet and smooth, just like his hands as they'd run up and down my body all night because they wanted to, not because I'd asked. He loved touching me. What woman could give that up willingly? You'd have thought I'd learned my lesson the first time, considering I used my own namesake while opening Pandora's box the first time I touched his phone. The second time is when reality finally set in. Dora, you're a glutton for punishment. I thought as I picked up his phone once again in the middle of the night. This time, I was surprised to find a messenger account. Oddly, another account I'd never seen before. I opened it and began to read the messages. The first two were between him and two other women, women that couldn't wait to see him when he got to their city of residence. Trying to calculate days in my mind, I guess he added travel time onto the fronts and backs of his trips from me as well as his wife. Somehow, the math had to work based on these texts. But in the wee hours of the morning, and standing in the dark, mortified, I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out the equation. If he's with me four or five days, and with his wife on the weekends, how did he make this work? The worst part came next. I saw the message from his wife: "Honey, I love you and miss you, and can't wait till you get home." I felt as though I'd been slammed up against a wall. Who was this man? How had I believed him all along? She loved him. I was ashamed and felt time stand still. Tick, tick. How could I have allowed myself to be a part of this master plan of his that wound up hurting this woman, an innocent bystander who loved him for thirty years? There are no words that can describe the feeling of mourning I felt at that moment. The stages of grief toppled on top of one another with no rhyme or reason. He'd told me from day one that his marriage was worthless. He told me his wife was a bitch, that she belittled him, and he couldn't wait to get out, and that I empowered him so that he couldn't wait to move in with me and take care of me. No wife that doesn't care about her husband. Would ever utter those words in a message? She loved him, and he had apparently been abusive to both of us. I followed the same pattern one more time, climbing into bed with him, but this time knowing it'd be the last time I'd ever sleep with him. Remorse, grief, pain, mourning enveloped me like the thickest blanket I'd ever wrapped around me. 
strangling me before daybreak. I was heaving by the time he woke up. When I confronted him that morning, he became belligerent, as I knew he would. Days went by, and the man that had consumed my mind, heart, and soul just disappeared, like a smoke-and-mirrors kind of trick. He erased me from his life. I imagined the words floating through his head. Well, I got caught because I overextended. Yes, I loved her, but I knew I'd never leave my wife. But how could I walk away from fucking amazing sex? A week later, I received the email. Dear Dora, blah, 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 blah. I wish you much success in your life, and I only want the best for you. I'm going to try and be the husband I should have been. More blah, blah, blah. This was finally the defining moment I'd been avoiding for as long as possible. Chapter 58. The Other, Other Woman. I was on fire. At that moment, I truly became the other woman. Scorned, shunned, embarrassed, pushed aside like trash, and more than anything else, guilty for what I'd unknowingly done to his wife. I wrote him back. I hope you'll do the right thing by your wife and tell her the complete truth. You can't start over with a clean slate. It would be much better for her to hear the truth from you than to hear it from me. For the next two days, my phone rang nonstop. Emails chimed over and over. All messages filled to the brim with pleading from him. Please, Dora, I know I was wrong. I know I hurt you. I know I deserve this. But please don't tell my wife. I can't fix my marriage if you tell my wife. How stupid can one man be? With every word he'd type or utter into the receiver, it was like adding one more spark to my flame. I was now like hot lava, just ready to spill. And I did. I did the ultimate follow-through. I texted his wife, explained all, and apologized to her. I told her I was under the misconception that she didn't love her husband. I told her we'd been together for seven months, that if she wanted to talk to me, I'd be there. I was shaking like a leaf as I wrote, knowing the devastation I was about to cause both for his family and for me. There'd be no turning back after this. This was final. I sent the text to both of them. It read, I'm writing to both of you to shut this down. Nick, you said you were done with your marriage before we really even got started. Then we fell in love. Do not write me anymore, as you did last night and today, because you were scared your wife was going to throw you out. I'm not your comfort zone. You led me on again and again. You hurt me and made me believe you were done. I allowed you to set me back again. Diane, you'll need to step up your game if you want to keep your husband happy. He needs lots of sex and to not be ridiculed. Neither of you are what the other needs. You'll find out eventually, but it'll be too late for each of you by then. Nick, if you can look at Diane while having sex and not see my face, bravo. Same for you, Diane. Good luck to you both. Both my phone and emails got quiet for about 15 minutes. And then he wrote, The damage is done. I just heard from my wife. You are ruthless. Maybe I am. I just feel, if anyone deserved it, he did. 
and she deserved the truth. To this day, I've repeated those words out loud to myself in many a quiet moment. You are ruthless. I say the words. I find a mirror and I stare at the woman looking back. The woman that still wants to feel his touch in spite of what he did. Love can make you sick. I froze for three weeks, hardly existing while in a state of numbness, misery, pain, and loss. I couldn't sleep eat. It was hard to focus at work, and my heart hurt. I finally understood the word heartbreak and knew why there'd been a hotel with the same name. Once you'd check in, it was almost impossible to leave. Going through the motions became emotions to go through. I went through those motions for a good solid month. I went from being sexually saturated to sexually starved. My body lost track of my mind or vice versa. It was that feeling of being on antidepressants, the numbness, except no pills were involved. I could bottle my own depression and sell it for top dollar. Sugar Daddy was on a permanent state of hold. I truly felt that I could never open my legs for anyone again. Two months later, I got a call late at night. I looked at the caller ID and recognized it as his last name. I was shocked into stillness and answered the phone. It wasn't him. It was his wife. What took place in that conversation finally allowed me to move on and get back into the swing of things, back into the world of sugar, which was a place I was feeling more and more comfortable in being. The world where everyone has the same bottom line. There seemed to be more truth in sex for money and sex for convenience than there is in sex for love's sake. I answered saying, Hello? Silence on the other end. I said, Diane? She said, I called the wrong number. So sorry. Meant to call Nick's friend Robert. I thought she'd hang up on me, so I waited for the click. It didn't come. So I said, Is there anything you want to talk to me about? Two scorned women comparing notes is not a pretty place, especially when scorned by the same man. She began, Whose apartment were you in last week when meeting up with Nick? I was taken aback by the question, knowing full well I'd not seen nor heard from him since I'd sent them both that text. She continued, Nick said he'd insisted on meeting up with you to tell you, once and for all, to leave us alone, to stop harassing us. I swallowed, trying to digest and make some sense out of the fact that we were both the other woman, and answered her, I've not seen him at all. She answered, Oh my God, he's doing it again. He's got to be seeing someone else. That's when the floodgates opened, where she and I began trading notes on what had actually gone on in the last seven months while I was with her husband. Lie after lie to both of us, from him telling me that she was a weak, whiny woman who was depressed all the time, belittling him, never having sex with her, to making Valentine's Day reservations with both of us, and luckily for him, sustaining an injury that kept him out of reservation mode for that night. She told me she'd read every email I'd ever written to him. He used to call me baby, and in one email I asked him, Do you call everybody baby? Of course, to me he answered, No, only you. She came right out and said, By the way, he did call everybody baby, even the other women that I found in his phone. She confirmed what I'd hoped to have been dead wrong about, my own version of that smoke-and-mirror survival mode, 
He had been seeing other women at the same time as us. How he found the time, I'll never understand. Who knew that the wife of my lover would be the one to offer the closure I needed to let it go? Finally! We wished each other well, 45 minutes later, each of us feeling we'd lost the war, but together we won the battle. How crazy. More closure. Chapter 59. Scared and Scarred. Back to the sugar world, I ran like a scared and scarred little girl. It was so much more comfortable to be there, knowing that the unexpected was to be the expected. Drinks, conversation, sex. Have I not said it before? If a man and a woman are both on a sugar site, it's understood that they have the same bottom line. Sex. The only surprise was whether or not it'd be good sex or not. With my track record of talking to men way before meeting them, for the most part, I'd narrow that question down to whether it'd be good sex or great sex. After all, I qualified every man I was to be with. What do you like? What do you not like? Let me tell you what turns me on. By the time I'd be done with a man on the phone, email, or text, I'd have close to what I wanted from him more often than not. I'd also know just what the equation was to rock his world. And believe me, I'd do the math. I'd have him coming back for seconds before he even knew he was done with the first course. It's an art, Dora. Just use it, sharpen it, and master it. That's what I'd say in my head to justify all I'd do to any potential sugar daddy. Who wants a man that only comes once? Not this sugar baby. I wanted him to remember me, to come back for me, to ask for me. I wanted a man I could rely on, and I wanted to support my kids while that switch was turned to the off position. Why did I need to be cognizant while doing the forbidden? Chapter 60. Hope it doesn't fall off. I no longer let age be a disadvantaging factor. I couldn't picture entering into a relationship right now, so who cared if they were 25 or 65? Yes, I needed to like him, but appeal can come in any age, and I needed the money. I could deposit a 30-year-old's cash just as easily as a 50-year-old's. Inwardly, though, age did play a different factor with me. They never knew it, as I hid it well. Firstly, if they were close to my kids' ages, I couldn't get past it. One guy wrote me and sounded wise beyond his 27 years. We had great witty conversations online that would end up having me at a loss for words. How could someone that young take me by surprise in that way? It's almost as though he was able to anticipate my answers to all of his young questions. I finally agreed to see him. After having not paid close attention to his profile, since I'd been stuck on his age and going no further, I failed to pay attention to the fact that when he opened the door of his apartment, he was from India. To hear my name spoken with Indian persuasion was something I'd never experienced before. Dora, come in. Why are you standing there in the doorway looking like, as the Americans say, a deer caught in lights of surprise? I wanted to laugh out loud, but knew he'd not understand. Instead, I walked inside and had the time of my life. This young man had me laughing all night. He did everything he could to persuade me to go away with him for weekends at a time. Dora, may I call you sweetheart? For what reason of purpose will you not travel with me to a winery in the country? I'd continued to refuse, saying the age difference was just too noticeable. He invited me back again after we reached an agreement. 
Miss Dora, will you not be upset with me if I meet a girl of my dreams and I tell you I can no longer see you? He was sincere and my heart was touched. He was truly worried about my feelings. Warmth spread to all parts of me and seemed to leak out for him to lick up. I asked, Who was the last woman you were with sexually before me? He said, My lady friend in India. Thinking to myself, That's a long time between movies. I felt safe in saying, I want to have sex with you without a condom. At first, he was very agitated and wasn't sure how to respond. It didn't take long for me to change his attitude, though, as he slowly entered me, bareback, and exploded. I asked, When was the last time you've had sex without a condom? He shockingly answered, Never. You broke my cherry. Now, first thing tomorrow, I need to be tested. I can't remember the last time I laughed that hard and had my male counterpart giggling along with me. Lord, it felt good. I still laugh about that moment in time. Even as I laughed, I still felt like I was in mourning from my cheating lover, Nick. Now, hold on a minute. How am I calling him a cheater when I, too, was fully aware of what we were doing? Truth be told, I could call him every name in the book. And I still love him to death. I still miss his touch. I pray for the day that I'm over him. The next day, I called my Indian friend to see if he was okay and asked, Did you go to the doctor? He said, No, I'm still watching my dick to make sure it doesn't fall off first. <laughs> Again, he had me in stitches. I told him, Do you realize that I still don't know your first name? I really didn't. It was too hard to pronounce, so I had him in my phone book by initials only. This was an exorcist moment where my head spun around while realizing the truth. I'd slept with a man multiple times and didn't know his name. I was thinking, this was very strange for me, especially a while in the throes of passion where I'm very apt to lose myself and be extremely vocal. What in the world had I been calling him? Chapter 61 Duckling to a Swan. He opened the proverbial door for my next young suitor, a man who was 28 and filled with questions about his own sexuality. Why can't I find a woman my own age that's attracted to me? I'm in a slump. I just need someone to talk to. So all of a sudden, I became the sex counselor. I agreed to meet him in a hotel room and just talk, but he needed to pay me my fee nonetheless. I told him to have $500 in an envelope on the dresser or I'd leave. I walked in, looked at him. He was so much younger than I anticipated in my mind, red-cheeked, embarrassed, fumbling with anything he could touch. I looked to the right and saw the envelope, picked it up, put it in my purse. I then pulled a chair over to the bed where he'd sat down and sat across from him. We began to talk. He just spilled his heart into my hands so I could catch it, hoping to salvage as many pieces as I could to be able to put it back together for him and reinsert it in the right place. He was just a delight, honest, genuine, scared, inquisitive, lonely, and in the end, passionate. We spoke at length, crossing bridges of generations that really, in the long run, didn't matter. Women are women and men are men, we discovered. As we finished up the chatting, I got up off my chair and leaned over to kiss him. 
I meant to offer nothing more than a kiss of understanding, but he opened his mouth and sucked me in. That adorable boy seemed to be healed all of a sudden. Ha! I wondered if the whole thing had been an act to get the older woman to fall prey to him, but no, everything we'd talked about was painful to him, while precious to me. This was part of his healing process, and I wasn't about to stand in the way. Call me whatever you want. I was extremely turned on that I'd had this effect on this young man. He became someone else, aggressive and sure-footed. I think it was the best $500 he'd ever spent. Therapy for me as well, as every man I was with was a replacement for Nick. I almost felt like I was dying a slow death from the loss of his touch, and that each man I'd be with could offer a pseudo-healant of sorts. This young man would call me for weeks afterwards to tell me things that were new in his life and to thank me for all that I'd done. He was like a breath of fresh air that had been breathed into me, out of me, and around me just through innocence. He told me he'd be wanting to see me again on his birthday and that he was saving his money for that occasion. Melt down of my heart. One more gold star for the sugar daddy kids. Chapter 62 Oh, Dreamweaver. If an outsider was looking in, it would look as if, how quickly she rebounded from her supposed love affair. I even questioned my own integrity over and over again, saying, maybe he was right after all. Look at me. Look at who I am. Should he have left his wife for me? I tried to make him the winner, just like every other man in my life. What the hell was wrong with me? How could I continue to put things away as I did, away from my kids, my employers, my friends? In fact, no one knew what I was doing except for my best friend, who I've ridiculously called Dreamweaver. I would come clean and we would laugh. Silly, outrageous laughter that was so needed between the two of us. Me, because I needed validation for all I'd been through and the necessity to make it less personal. And he, who admitted to living on the other side of the sugar daddy tracks and needed to be able to laugh along for a couple of other reasons. One so that he didn't take what I did with others personally as I believe he'd had a lot at stake with me in the beginning, but was now accepting the fact that I could compartmentalize, that I could put this away once and for all when I was ready, and maybe, just maybe, there'd be a future for he and I. After all, it seemed we were the only two that really understood each other to this full-blown extent. Secondly, he was able to see his own past behavior as the sugar daddy from a go, from the woman's perspective. Who gets the chance to see it from both sides, ever? We did. I'd tell him, and he'd tell me. I continued to put money in my husband's and my bank account to fund the kids. No one ever asked how I always had enough to cover two households, and I was fine with their ignorance. My poker face was being stretched to the point where even Botox couldn't cover it up. Chapter 63. This is Rocket Science. I went from the young kids to someone who might have been their brilliant grandfather. Josh was a total enigma. Smart, well-spoken, older than me, awkward, yet honest, and someone who seemed to be infatuated with me quite quickly. It took less than two hours for me to see the strong effect I had on this man. In fact, at one point, I thought I'd killed him. I got up 
leaving him laying very still on his back, and I could only see the whites of his eyes, still, after I saw them roll there moments before. I leaned over, staring at him, and had a flash of a memory of how I used to tiptoe into my kids' bedrooms as they were babies, and I'd blow lightly on their faces to make sure they were breathing. I touched his arm. Josh, are you okay? I whispered private prayers in my head while trying to determine if fucking someone to death would be a misdemeanor or get me the chair. I waited, held my breath, and boom! It was as if nothing had been wrong. His eyes focused. He looked at me and said, Dora, I've never had sex like that in my life. I want to see you again and again, but I need to tell you what I do for a living and make sure that you're okay with it. The pastor floated through my head as I was busy thinking ahead for a change. Is he going to tell me he's the Pope? He continued while laying there, and I was still leaning over him, looking in his eyes, completely naked, of course. I'm a scientist. I love to figure things out, what makes them tick, but especially things related to space. Silence followed as I put two and two together. I really thought I'd forced myself to say this inside my head, but apparently it escaped my lips. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you trying to tell me that you're a rocket scientist? He nodded, which was the most activity I'd seen him do within this speedy recovery of his, and following the nod, he said, I work on private projects for the government, and I find you to be fascinating. He certainly fit the description, and for the life of me, I couldn't understand which part of me he found to be the most fascinating, but he seemed to be sincere. Just another day in the life of your typical sugar baby. Yes? I never heard from him again. These are the moments that come faster and more furiously than not. Just who is the crazy one? The man who's supporting my family's habit? Or me? Oh, this is when it really starts to get good. Like, this is where you're going to say, this can't be factual. Uh-uh. <laughs> Stay with me and tune in next Thursday. You'll see. It's Sugar Mom. Westwood One Podcast Production.